Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor. And today our guest is Crow Wing County Administrator Tim Houle. Tim, welcome back to Community Focus. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, um, summer has unofficially arrived, but it is uh, the beginning of a very busy season. And some may not realize that before summer is done, they may want to go to the polling booth because of so many primaries. We just had filings close Mm -hmm. yesterday. Yeah. And so we now know kind of how the races uh, in our area are shaping up. So we have a number of races for county commissioner uh, in District 2 that is up in the northwest part of the county. We have John Lubke, Stephen Olson, and Robin Sylvester who have filed. District 3 is South Baxter, South Brainerd. Uh, It is going to extend a little bit into North Brainerd, too, but there's five candidates there. Uh, Steve Barrows, who who is the incumbent, Tad Erickson, Keith Johnson, Jazz Ness, Jacob White. And in District 4, that represents the north side of Brainerd, north side of Baxter, and up into the unorganized territory. Rosemary Franzine, the incumbent, is running against Troy Scheffler. So there will be a primary in District 2 and in District 3, Basically, what we do is narrow that field of candidates down to the top two vote getters go to the general election. Okay. Um, so two out of those three will have a primary. Okay. Um, we have a county sheriff's race this year again. Scott Goddard, the incumbent, running against Eric Klang, former county sheriff. Um, we, uh, we don't, there will not be a primary there, so we'll just see those two in the general election. The county attorney, there, we have one candidate filed, our incumbent uh, county attorney, Don Ryan, so I'm confident he's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go out, way out on a limb there and prognosticate. I don't know why, yeah. I don't know why CNN hasn't called. I you know they should it. call. They should call the race already. <laughs> uh, and uh, then we have some of our congressional district races. We have the congressional district eight race. We will have a primary on both the Republican and the DFL side. On the Republican side, we got Pete Stauber running against Harry Welty. And on the DFL side, we have John Munter running against Jen Schultz. Hmm. Um, And in our local legislative races, uh, Senate District 6, there are two candidates, one uh, for each of the two political parties. So we will see those two, Justin Eichhorn and Steve Samuelson, on the ballot in November. Uh, Same in House District 6A. There's two candidates, uh, Ben Davis, the Republican, and Richard Blake, the DFL. Uh, We'll see those two in the general election this fall. House District 6B, there is a primary on the Republican side. Uh, Josh Heinzman and Doug Kern are running on the Republican side, so there will be a primary. Uh, And on the DFL side, Sally Boos is running. And the last one I have is House District 10A. That's in the southern part of the county. There are three candidates running. There will be a Republican primary there. Uh, as Ron Cresha, the incumbent, is running against Chuck Perrins. On the DFL side, Nancy Fetzik is running for the DFL. The primary election is going to be held August 9th. And mm-hmm. so that's coming. Uh, and so whether we want to or not, I guess, we're in campaign season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so welcome to campaign season. I'm sure it's going to start. Um, if you think about that, that Tuesday, August 9th primary, primarily what the purpose is, is helping our major political parties narrow down their fields of candidates. They use, we use the precinct caucus system and nominations, but then all of those candidates and anybody else who wants to also can file to run in the primary. And mm. the primary ultimately is the decider of the political party's candidates of choice. Okay. And so it's designed it's around yeah. the political parties mm-hmm. picking their candidates. We sort of 
pony on to it for the nonpartisan races that we also have there, you know, in, in our county commissioner races, those are nonpartisan um, and the county attorney, county sheriff. We use the primary process to narrow down the field of candidates in our nonpartisan races. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think it's coming quicker than we all think it will. Uh, yeah. August 9th, right around the corner. And then the general election, of course, Tuesday, November 8th. And I think it goes without saying, but just to clarify, for instance, uh, in um, you mentioned like, for instance, District 3, there are five candidates running. Will the primary just be in that district? Then? That is correct. Yes. Yep. So. For those candidates, you have to live within that district. And, you know, that's the challenge of the elections administration is um, each one of those is a unique ballot depending on they have to be within the same commissioner district, within the same school district, oh, yeah. within the same city uh, or whatever. Wow. Right. Um, and so it's that multi-layers. So you can have a, a precinct that has different ballots. Yeah. And... Uh, the congressional uh, district eight. Uh, there's uh, four candidates, two in each party. Right. So is that one uh, one where you vote along party lines? Yes. Okay. And and think about it. You're helping the political parties to select the candidate that they're going to put on the November ballot. Mm-hmm. So when you're voting, you're not voting to put someone in office. You're voting voting to put someone on a ballot. On the ballot. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Very interesting. So that one will take place, for instance, in all of Crowing County yep. uh, because that primary involves our congressional uh, representation. That's correct. Okay. And so I think, uh, you know, it, it certainly is going to be a little bit more of an interesting primary this year because we do have some contested races. Mm-hmm. So I think that will probably matter in terms of the turnout. Primary turnouts are, are not high, typically. And if you think about it, how many members are there of our political parties yeah you know how many of our listeners have gone to their precinct caucus yeah very interesting the political parties are actually fairly small in mm-hmm. our counties um, but this is the process that's used to help them to pick their candidates got it cool. um another question i have for you um there is a cost in running an election of any kind that whether it's primary or our november elections mm-hmm. so this adds a little bit of cost to the county does it not to run uh, the primaries yeah there's no question it is a public expense that we are using to help the political parties choose their candidates uh, or to narrow down the race for the nonpartisan races so there is an expense associated with every election um, no matter whether it's a primary or a general. The general elections tend to be more expensive because they tend to be more voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you need more election judges and things of that sort. And while I'm on the topic, if somebody is interested in being an election judge, feel free to give our uh, county uh, a, give us a call on our main number, 824-1067, and we'll direct you to our elections administration folks. You, you can imagine we are looking for election judges every election. Whatever denomination, political persuasion, mm-hmm. uh, your county tends to lean. We tend to get a lot of election judges from that party. Interesting. Okay. And so we tend to lean one way. Mm-hmm. We need election judges from the opposite sides as well. Yes. And so those of our listeners who might be representing a more minority point mm-hmm. of view that want to be an election judge, Please do. Um, we expect to get a lot of uh, requests for election judges because of the you know the discussions and and whatnot about elections and mm-hmm. how they are conducted. Uh, pretty soon we will be testing machines for these primary elections, and so I hope folks come to that. And so watch for your legal notices about that. Okay, 
And the bottom line is, I know there's a lot of dedicated uh, election judges that have been there for a long time, and it's good to have the experience at these events as well. We highlighted one last uh, election, I think, that started when she was 16 years old. She couldn't even be an election judge, but Mm -hmm. she helped at the poll. Uh, And I think she just, uh, I think that last time was her last election, and she was well into her 80s. Wow. Good for her. I love that. Now that's... That's public dedication service. and public service. That's yeah. a quiet form of patriotism. Amen. Yes, it is. I love it. All right. Uh, well, summer is here, and that means the sheriff's office is out on the water besides being on our roadways. Yep. And we have a couple of things. One is, you know, we take uh, boating while impaired very seriously in this county. And uh, it's because we have so many lakes and so many people taking advantage of our lakes that uh, boating while impaired is an exceptionally bad idea in our county. So we do have a boat and water team that is out there. Um, the, we have more than 92,000 acres of water that are wow. patrolled from May through mid-September. Wow. We have a population of more than 60,000 people in the winter. In the summertime, that increases. It depends on who you talk to. Sometimes be, somewhere between three to five to six times the volume of people. <laughs> Anyone who travels 371 will agree with <laughs> <Yep>. you. <laughs> we, we know this. Uh, so we have to staff up in the summer for our boat and water. Uh, and so we have hired additional personnel. We have extra water patrols on our lakes performing safety checks, being visible. They're going to be checking voters for life jackets. Um, we're going to be looking for safety equipment such as fire extinguishers, sound producing devices. The most common violation that they see is personal flotation device. You have to have something throwable that is a Mm. personal flotation device on any boat that's over 16 feet long. Um, So just encourage your listeners to make sure that they got all the proper equipment on the boat. That's what we're going to be looking for. We also, the Water Patrol also inspects over 1,000 rental crafts available mm. in the county oh just to make sure that they're seaworthy. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big job that they are undergoing right now. Interesting. And they also offer youth boater classes. So each summer, the Water Patrol teams up with the local lake associations. We offer free youth boater safety permit classes, annually training about 200 kids. So that is really cool. Classes are available to kids 12 to 17 years old. It runs about six hours. You can give us a call at 829-4749. I guess you don't. You have to include the area code, 218-829-4749. Um, and then we are going to be doing a special patrol um, looking for boaters who are intoxicated over the 4th of July holiday. So no secrets, no ambushes, no surprises. They're going to be out. That's what they're going to be looking for. Um, and so, you know, Operation Dry Water. I Operation like Dry Water. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it. So we just want to, and we want everybody who comes here, everybody who lives here to enjoy the summer months. We don't want that something to turn into one of the biggest tragedies in your life. Exactly. So come here, enjoy safely. Uh, and designate your driver and designate your capitan. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same kinds of things exactly. on dry land as it is on water. Yep. Very good. And uh, the other issue that I know uh, as a lecturer property owner, we have the inspectors on our boat landing at our lake, and that's very important, too. And there are some decontamination stations again this year in the county? Yeah. If you have a boat that has uh, some Eurasian water milfoil, some uh, curly leaf pondweed, any of the snails that uh, we're dealing with now... 
you can bring your boat to a decontamination station and we will it's it's a wash it's not you know we're not going to use any soaps no bleaches no chemicals this is not the car wash you know (laughs) you're not going to walk out with you know a clean shiny boat the the point is that we are trying to get off of your boat any aquatic invasive species so it's a very hot water rinse used to kill zebra mussels and if needed a high pressure spray to remove materials from the boats the motors the trailers any personal gear um, and it's really just a part of trying to keep our waters free of aquatic invasive species that spread through boats. And so, as you, you are correct, Ken, we have inspectors at our area landings. Not all of them. We can't afford to staff all of them 24-7. So we try to staff them. We try to staff the landings that are most heavily used. And during the hours, they are most heavily used, which we have tracked now over the course of the past three years. Yeah. So we're really trying to target those to when people are there. Now, Tim, if I'm not, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say there's a personal responsibility, too, of if you're, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. putting your boat in at, some, at a friend's house on one of the lakes, do the check over. Make sure that, you yeah, know. Yeah, pull your, your drain your plug. Is, yep. Let it drain and dry. Yeah, um, before you put it in and when you take, take it, it out. out. Yep. There are fines if they, you're driving along the road and you have uh, vegetation hanging from your boat. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, a decontamination station, if I'm not mistaken, there's one permanent one. And mm-hmm. aren't there mobile ones or just one? I, I forget how this works. We do have one up at the Cross Lake Joint Highway Maintenance Facility off Highway 3 at Whipple Drive. This location is staffed from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Thursday through Sunday. And again, we're trying to hit when folks are most going to be around. That's a fixed station. We also have a mobile decontamination unit, and that's located at different public accesses across the county. It's available from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Friday to Sunday. And to get the location of our mobile unit, you can either text CWC, Crow Wing County, DECON, D-E-C-O-N, or you can give us a call, 833-258-7509, and we'll let you know where that's going to be. Perfect. And those are free of charge for people free who want of to charge. stop by. Love yep. that. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, I understand there's a new paved trail we should talk about. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this is quickly turning into one of the crown jewels of our park system and uh, is, is very heavily used. We just installed a new paved trail that goes from the picnic area on the bottom, sort of the you know, where you drive in. And it's a paved trail now up to the fire tower. It's a hill. You know, and so it's a backs, you know, it's a switchback kind of a trail yep. that goes up to the fire tower. And this is in Pequot Lakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it is an excellent example of a historical fire tower still in good condition. And we have installed a lot of interpretive displays about what that forestry used to look like and what this fire tower was used for and how mm. the some of the folks that lived on that site. Um, and it's just turning into a great park. And so we're trying to make it easier for those who have disabilities to try to enjoy as much of the park as possible and frankly the paved trail will make it a little bit easier for those of us that are you know nearing retirement uh, (laughs) to climb a hill (laughs) it's not as easy as when i was 20 (laughs) (laughs) all right and uh last but not least uh the crowing county land services does tree planting every year and i understand that's complete now yeah there are a, a number of species including aspen birch and oak and they regenerate naturally 
um, we want to make sure that we are maintaining this up north look and feel here, and so we plant conifers. So we just recently completed planting 46,800 pine seedlings. Wow. That was planted on 60 acres in Wolford and Fairfield townships. Between 1983 and 2022, we have planted approximately 4.1 million tree seedlings. Whoa. Wow. Uh, that's on county-managed forest lands. That's just in Crow Wing County. Uh, mm. And what we know is that forest cover is probably the number one contributor to increased water quality. And so we know how important water quality is in this county. Amen. This is part of our strategy to keep it that way. And so we maintain a lot of forest land in Crow Wing County. We could certainly sell it all, put it on the tax rolls, open mm-hmm. it to development. We believe that would change the character of this county in a way that we don't we want. Don't want. Yeah. Uh, and so we are maintaining that. This forestry pays for itself. It also gives some money to the cities, the school districts, and the townships, and pays for all of the recreational activities that Crow Wing County does through parks, trails, and the like. So I think we're getting a pretty good bang for that buck, um, and we're doing everything we can to try to maintain that up north look and feel and be good stewards of the environmental resources that we're so richly blessed with. Oh, big time. Yeah. Well, excellent. All right. Well, Tim, we uh, covered a lot of ground here, uh, <laughs> pardon the pun, but uh, yeah. we want to say thank you for being here today to talk about these issues in the county, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next month. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you, Tim. Our guest is Crowing County Administrator Tim Houle. I'm Ken Thomas, along with Tess Taylor. That is today's edition of Community Focus. Don't forget our Community Focus programs can be found anytime on our website. Go to 1067wjjy.com. You can also listen anytime through our free downloadable app powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.